We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me is my fellow football priest. You know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, there's a lot to get to today, and not just the Sean Payton fallout stuff, but um, Shelby Harris, a few different things. But first things first, uh, on the heels of everybody by now knows about the Sean Payton comments, the criticism, the castigation of Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, But on the heels of Billy Turner, offensive tackle now with the Jets, uh, calling Sean Payton a, quote, effing bum, uh, Aaron Rodgers has weighed in. And we can read the full quote, but the gist of it was basically that uh, he sees through Payton's ploy that Peyton was basically, and it shocks him, that Peyton, who is a, as accomplished as he is, would feel like he had to say what he did publicly about Nathaniel Hackett, throw another coach under the bus, just so that he could have a scapegoat in place in the event that things don't play out in year one in Denver the way they should, and that he should, quote, keep his coach's name out of his mouth. What was your reaction to Rodgers wading in? Listen, if you had someone tell you that you're the best and you're amazing and you're this and you're that constantly, I mean, you'd probably want to keep them around as well. You probably go to bat for them too. And that's what it seems to me that uh, Aaron Rodgers is doing. We all know the love affair they have, Aaron Aaron and Roger, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Nathaniel Hackett. And obviously, he's his offensive coordinator in New York, so he's showing some professionalism. He's uh, paying respect to the ranks and the, 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 you know, the, the uh, rank and file of the team. But... I don't see how it could be a scapegoat. Why would Sean Payton blame Nathaniel Hackett? How could he? I mean, everyone knows that Sean Payton was hired, paid $18 million. They traded the first round pick because they think he can be that good and turn Russell Wilson around. If they fail this year, I don't think any Broncos fan, and correct me if I'm wrong in the chat, is going to say, you know, what was the problem with the 2023 Broncos? Nathaniel Hackett, not Sean Payton, not Russell Wilson. So I think he's reaching a little bit, but I kind of understand where he's coming from because he's a loyal guy, and I do appreciate that. I think it can be argued that it, uh, first of all, I don't, I am not a critic of what Sean Payton said slash did, okay, for what it's worth. 
But I do think it can be argued, Zach, that it was beneath him or that it was professionally uncouth, let's say, to air that laundry publicly. Um, that's an argument to be made. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that myself. Again, I don't, I'm not really picking nits on what Sean Payton said because we got to keep this in mind. This is something you and I hammered home on Thursday night. Point to anything Payton said about Hackett, uh, what happened last year, and Wilson and the Broncos that was untrue. All right. So that's one of the things that Aaron Rodgers misses in his retort, in his punching back here, Zach, is the core of the argument or the core message, the core, what, you know, whatever you want to call it, that Peyton was laying out there, which was simply again, in case you missed it, Nathaniel Hackett, it was so bad, it may have been one of the worst uh, coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. There are so many historical distinctions that back that up. I mean, Zach, forget about the eye test, what we all witnessed with our own uh, ocular organs here, okay? Just the fact that he, you can count the number of coaches, head coaches that have been fired in their before their first year is even over yeah. in the NFL, in the Super Bowl era, on one hand. Nathaniel Hackett, in fact, is, a, is on that list. He's in that elite, if you want to call it, uh, group of coaches. So, Aaron, hey, props to you going to bat, swinging for your, uh, uh, your coach, but uh, boy, oh boy, get your popcorn ready because week five is gonna be lit. Yeah, I mean, and all that uh, Sean Payton said as well, his he referenced where the bottom, the Broncos were at the bottom of the, you know, pre-snap penalties last season, and they were, I think he said they were 29th. That's a fact. Nathaniel Hackett, one of the worst coaching jobs. I mean, no one can dispute that it was a fact. Uh, how bad the Broncos were with Russell Wilson, who Sean Payton now inherits. It's all, you know, indisputable. So I think it's, a little bit of defending his own territory where the Broncos defend theirs. I feel like the Jets feel like they're like uh, being slighted or the Broncos were unduly coming against them because the, the Jets did nothing wrong. But this will be settled on the field. As you mentioned, week five is going to be the game of the year as far as I'm concerned in Broncos country. Indeed. Um, for what it's worth, and this is also when we talk about facts, uh, this is true. Aaron Rodgers, he didn't say that Sean Payton was wrong, Right. Uh, what he said, what he, he was basically just out of line for doing that to another coach. And maybe Sean Payton actually feels somewhat guilty, not for what, not for the content, Zach, of what he said, but for the fact that he kind of let it slip out into the public. Uh, Mr. Producer, is yeah, gonna, listen, let's watch this. I had, I had one of those moments where I still had my Fox hat on and, and not my coaching hat on. And, uh, you know, I said this to the team in the meeting yesterday. We've had a great offseason relative to that, you know, and I've been preaching that message. And here I am, the veteran, um, you know, stepping in it. And, uh, you know, it was it was a learning experience for me. It was a mistake. Obviously, I needed a little bit more filter. Um, you know, there's a pound of flesh for these guys. And, and as a coach, you stick up for them. And after a while, you know, we're past that season last year and, and, you know, I said what I said, and, and obviously I needed it a little bit more uh, restraint, and uh, I regret that. Um, that being said, what I told the team is, you know, if it can happen, and I, I'm th I think I'm pretty good relative to working with the media and, and pretty savvy, and I just had one of those moments. Jared's a good friend, uh, real good at his job, and uh, two lattes in the morning, first, first one I see, and 
40 minutes later, I'm, I'm regretting it. So uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, another reason why people seem so shocked by this, Zach, and it's true. This is something cr credit to Mr. Producer. You know, you don't see head coaches casting aspersions, pointing, unlike politics, right? Every president blames his predecessor for whatever mess is, is, is created in their uh, administration. Unlike uh, politics, coaches, if you really sit and think hard about it, beyond what happened this past week, Zach, when's the last time you can remember a, a sitting head coach publicly cr criticizing his predecessor like like that, right? Mm -hmm. In other words, coach, it's a, it's a rule that Peyton did kind of violate an, uns an unwritten law, an unspoken rule, which is in the coaching fraternity, you just you don't do that to each other, to, to the coaches. So that's another reason why he might be regretting it. But again, Zach, if you want to call what we just witnessed here with Sean Payton an apology, uh, go ahead. Uh, but he wasn't apologizing for the content of what he said, but that basically he let it slip to a reporter. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Sean Payton regrets one word of any comment that he made. I think he regrets the fact that it was made public and made for public consumption. It wasn't kept private. Obviously, he went on the record. He did it willingly, but it ruffled some feathers in Broncos HQ. Maybe George Payton didn't like the tone of the conversation. Maybe Patrick Smythe, the team PR boss, felt like he was uh, thrown under the bus and uh, words were said. And Sean Payton had to, in this day and age where everyone's feelings get hurt, he had to come out and kind of smooth things over. But I bet if you ask him privately, one-on-one, -on -one, off the record, how do you feel? He stands by every single word because he's factually correct with everything that he said. And it was bad enough that he actually did feel for his players and all that they went through. Not just Zach, as we recall, not just that they had to have another, suffer another losing season, but that, I mean, Hackett, Russ, the Broncos, by extension, became a national lampoon. And he's, yep. he's. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He's, he was upset about that, clearly, Sean Payton. All right, Sam Bam, what's good, bro? Thank you for your patience. Thank you for the super chat, jumping in early as well. So generous of you, my friend. Bonafide superstar saying, evening, everyone. Hope all is well. I just got back from Virginia. Was there all week. I've heard good things thus far out of training camp. Sounds like this is Sean Payton's team, and he's running it how he wants. Go Broncos. 
Your thoughts, Zach? Yeah, we all knew this, Sam, and I appreciate your support as always. Hope you enjoyed Virginia and your trip out there. Um, He was going to come in right away. That's why he was paid the big bucks, not to be cliche, and establish it his way. Gone was the Nathaniel Hackett method. Gone was the Vic Fangio method. He was wiping the baseboards clean and installing his foundation. I mean, literally and figuratively, he has music off at certain practices. They're ramping up the music. The way he approached the strength and conditioning period, keeping the offseason program in phase one a little longer to acclimate the players. Javante Williams now has credited the Broncos strength and conditioning staff with his knee injury in return. So all the results were there. We saw them throughout the offseason process, but now that they're on the field and practicing and things are becoming real, we're really witnessing the Sean Payton effect and why he was worth $18 million per. We have Luke Patterson at every single practice and what he's been reporting. Hopefully you guys are reading his uh, training camp notebooks. Uh, so through two full practice days, uh, one of the takeaways I have, and by the way, David, great to see you, bro. Much love and respect. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, he says, good evening, Broncos country, Chad, Zach, Dylan, and Deacon Scott, 12 and five. Buck them with a B times three. MHH for life, Denver Bronx for life. Love it. Thank you, David. Thank you, Appreciate David. you, big dog. And Mike checking in as well. You, Mike. The ronk in the house, not gronk, ronk. All right. Um, love you, big dog. Thank you for the support. But one of the takeaways of many from um, from what Luke has reported is Sean Payton is, uh, first of all, I want to talk about the offense that, that we're going to see. Like we, we've kind of, Zach had to kind of reimagine the Sean Payton offense based on what we had been hearing in the offseason. Yeah. Uh, because what, like if someone were to ask me this time last year, right, where Sean Payton's not even on the radar of any chance in hell ever coming to Denver, they just hired Hackett. Someone were to ask me this time last year, describe the Sean Payton offense uh, in New Orleans, right, all those years. I would say something to the effect of, you know, a diverse and um, versatile running back stable, uh, you know, a strong priority of the running game, but more more about like short area passes that, in conjunction with those runs set up big plays downfield that drew Brees was became expert at facilitating. And when Sean Payton got here, we started hearing about all oh, we're going to run the ball, you know, back to basics, get Russ back. We kind of started like looking at it that way and not to say right now, this moment, 100% that we were wrong, but it does appear based on what we're seeing in the, in the seven on sevens, that we might be that it's going to be very similar. At least the passing concepts are going to be the same Sean Payton passing concepts. It's just a matter of, I think ratio, how much are you going to run relative to those passes? Yeah, I think that's really well said. Uh, They're going to be a very smash mouth team. And he made that very clear when they went out and shelled out, you know, millions upon millions upon millions on Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers and then brought in Samaje P. Ryan. But another word that would describe the Sean Payton offense in New Orleans, and I think it applies to Denver now, is efficient. Russ is in and out of the huddle. He's on the line of scrimmage or he's dropping back and and getting his reads and making them quickly, getting to the uh, next play and doing it all over again. That's something that we didn't see under Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson last year. There was too much clunkiness. I think the playbook was too big. Sean Payton is having a way of connecting with Russ and making it a smash mouth offense, but something that he can succeed in as well. And they're doing it, I think. Yes. Yes. And I can't wait to see how it continues to take shape. And of course, Opethian, uh, we remember when Aaron Rodgers was, was literally at the height of his powers 
that world eventual world champion Broncos defense completely shut him out. Uh, 77 yards passing career low. I'm pretty sure that stands as his career low uh, in a in a victory. It was the last kind of classic Peyton Manning performance that you got because it was really his only kind of classic-ish Peyton Manning performance that season because he was rapidly declining. And then, of course, he got hurt. He got that plantar fascia, et cetera. So thank you for that reminder, big dog. Miguel, what's going on, bro? So generous of you. Thank you, my friend. Great to see you. He says, what's up, fellas? Hope you've been doing well. Definitely we have. I love how Sean Payton calls a spade a spade and everyone goes crazy. I just hope he doesn't have to put his foot in his mouth. That would be awkward, LOL. Well, yeah, he kind of did already in front of his team. Um, uh, you know, and this is this is a good way to look at it. And I mean, you know, we talk about when it comes to leadership and just like having um, what's a good honor is a little bit too snooty. But if you're wrong, you admit you're wrong. The sooner you admit you're wrong instead of trying to cover it or make excuses or whatever or point fingers. Humility. Humility. Thank you. That's you actually end up. It sounds counterintuitive, but you actually and Scott says accountability. Yes, but it sounds counterintuitive, but you actually end up gaining more respect uh, than you do from potentially fooling the person into your, you know, sales pitch that you weren't wrong because everyone knows. And so Sean Payton, you know, he has to stand up in front of that team, Zach, and say, look, I kind of put my foot in my mouth. So let this be a warning to you as well, to all of us. If it can happen, if I can do it, if it can happen to me, in other words, it can happen to you. So again, let's be anonymous donors, etc. Um, and then we'll grab Michaela. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned the the fact that Sean Payton could regret ultimately. I mean, he he felt like he had to, but he he obviously felt like he believed what he was saying. I don't know though. The only way he can put his foot in his mouth because I feel like he stands by what he said. If they lose that game, and the only pressure he puts on his team is in that week five game. They have to come out, Chad. It's basically like the week one game against Seattle last year. It's pretty much a must win when you when you boil it down. You can't talk that kind of smack unprompted and go out there in front of your home fans and lose to them. But you mentioned unspoken between the, the coaches fraternity. There's another unspoken bond between the players and the coach, and I think the players understand why Sean Payton said what he said. He's pretty much showing support for his own troops, this year's team, and trying to cast out the the bad of 2022. So I think everyone understands why he said it, but publicly he had to come out and say he didn't really mean it. Yeah, I mean, the exercising of those demons uh, is going to take some time, and every little uh, expression, every little practice, every little step forward, whether it's a preseason win, a regular season game, uh, victory, is another uh, step toward exercising those very demons. The Duchess jumping in from thank the top you, rope. Yes, thank you so much, Michaela. Great to see you tonight. Uh, she says, to, to me, the whole thing sounds like a middle school feud. Where are the adults? It's it's ironic, you know, because if in her uh, line of thinking here, it's like, all right, you got an adult back in the building, right? Sean Payton. She goes on to say, be classy and show your worth on the field. MHH rocks. So some people and, and Broncos fans included, like Michaela, were kind of like, look, that's that should be beneath you, Sean Payton. Like, really? Come on now. Uh, again, I don't really have any nits to pick in it, but I totally get people that like like your take here, Michaela. I do understand that. 
I, I do as well. And we want the Broncos. They can't talk much smack because they haven't been relevant in so many years. But again, Sean Payton spoke nothing but facts. The Jets had a problem with it. They'll settle it on the field. I, I'm not counting my chickens on Sean Payton. But as I mentioned on the last podcast on Thursday, you, they needed this type of mentality to be the aggressor around the league They to show that they're not going to be picked on anymore. They're not going to take it on the chin. And Sean Payton knows that he's going to build a hard-nosed team that can go toe-to-toe with anyone including Aaron Rodgers. Love you, Michaela. Thank you again, my friend. Great to see you tonight. Uh, the GLP in the house, Gary Palmer. What's up, big dog? He says, hi, Chad, Zach, and Scott. We all knew when he said it that it was going to get flack. When we start winning games, this will fade away. Go Broncos and buck them. I mean, by this time next week, it'll it'll be pretty much faded away. I mean, every, every major player or, uh, pl- you know, player-adjacent Guy has kind of gotten their uh, their hooks in, so to speak. I mean, Peyton started it. Hackett, I guess, is the only one, right? Hackett hasn't that I'm aware of has not been on the record responding to this. But guess what? Maybe those cameras of Hard Knocks captured some of the fallout when that thermonuclear bomb that Peyton dropped detonated at Jets HQ. I hope so. I hope so. And if so, Zach, if so, sorry. Last thing. This will continue to kind of have a life of its own beyond the moment and beyond the context of week five. Yeah, I was going to say, I agree with what you said. It'll fade away, you know, in short order. That's what the headlines do around the NFL. Uh, This week, it's something. Next week, it'll be something else. But it'll reappear for sure before week five and in the lead up to that game. And however that game goes, the narrative will be spun from that result. So if the Broncos back it up, Sean Payton looks like he, uh, he knows what he's doing, but if the Broncos do lose that game, he's going to have to answer for those comments, regardless of what he said after the fact. Good to see you, big earn Broncos country only. Amen, brother. Amen. That's got, that's got to, I think maybe become a t-shirt Zach Um, Broncos country only love it. Good to see you tonight, big earn, but yes, I mean, you can't, and it is the jets coming to Denver. So, you can't lose that game if you're Sean Payton. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Like even the stakes that were created from some of the hate that took place uh, during the off season in between the Russell Wilson trade and that season opener against the Seahawks. Like that was, it was like, yeah, you know, we'll see who kind of uh, comes out on top of this one. Huh? Get the, get, get, get kind of the last laugh or whatever. But this one is now significantly more personal and not just, I mean, even Zach, if Sean Payton had never said anything, this game was going to be a personal yeah. game because this is your chance for, especially if you're were Russell Wilson, redemption, showing that you are better than the product you put on the field last year and the product that was being coached by this guy on the opposite side of the field. And then, of course, redemption for the, the coaches, or pardon me, the front office and ownership who made the fateful decision to not only fire Hackett, but hire Sean Payton. And now it's even more so. Like, you cannot lose this game, dude. You cannot is it must win in terms of playoffs and all that? I mean, we'll see how how big of a threat the Jets really are in the AFC this year. So maybe not must win in that context. We'll see. It is conference, though. Uh, but must win in the sense of, you know, what what is the constitution of the Broncos' soul in 2023 really like? Because if, if it's fully rebounded to where – Hey, we we remember now the football amnesia has left us. We remember what it means to win, how to win. Um, you need to win this game, dude, to keep that that constitution rolling, that belief, that swag, that 
we made the right decision. We're all on the right path now. The tide has turned on in our favor. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm a big believer in morale for a team, and I don't think there's coming back from losing that game. It's going to be really tough if they come out, especially if they start the season hot and they go into week five at home. And let's say Aaron Rodgers, Nathaniel Hackett rolls to town and he they throw four touchdowns and beat the Broncos. That's a tough one to swallow. So Sean Payton pretty much set the stage. He pretty much is betting on himself by making these comments like, we know we're better than you and we're going to show it in October. Michaela Israel, great to see you. Give our best to Cooper. Uh, hope you're both doing well this evening. She says, I'm proud of my coach. Sean Payton said what needed to be said. He stood up for Russ, and I am supportive of that fully. Preach. Uh, Shannon says, fans need to count down the clock hilarious. for Rodgers. Yes. Yes, that would be funny. Uh, Keith says, the four words I've heard most from offensive coaches, hurry up, let's go, as they break the huddle. Expect pace, meaning he's been at uh, the training camp too. So, yes, you're not going to – you're never Zach with Sean Payton with very few – so I shouldn't say never. Never say never. Remember that song? Uh, Five goes west. Isn't that right, Scott? Am I getting that right? Come on. You've got kids. Let's go. Um, the first way. Shouldn't use it. You shouldn't use absolutes when you're talking about something living and breathing like the NFL. Um, but um, we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, Phil, bro, love you. Thank you, big dog. Uh, he says, Peyton definitely made the country aware the Broncos are coming. Go Broncos, MHH for life. Thank you, everybody, by the way, for the support. Love you guys. Yeah, that's what I was saying, too. I mean, he's showing the rest of the NFL that the Broncos, I mean, they're not going to go undefeated, but the games they lose, they're not going to be pushovers either. They're not going to be walked over. You're just going to have a, a tougher, more disciplined team that's going to give you everything they got, whether you're a bottom feeder or whether you're Kansas City twice a year. So I agree with what uh, Michaela said. I agree with what Phil's saying. The message had to be put out there because the Broncos for too long have been passive. Now it's time to be active. By the way, never say never. Yes, it was indeed Fievel, an American tale. That's T-A-I-L, because we're talking about uh, mice, okay? You got, y'all know this. Y'all know this. Um, okay, back to the chat. There are some topics, though, that I want to get to. Um, so before maybe we get into some of these that we have start in the chat, Zach, I want to segue away from Peyton for a minute here and get your thoughts on, and I, I honestly respect Frank Clark for saying what he did because I think, Sorry. sadly, it's true right now. I yep. mean, it is what it is, guys. And that's why Sean Payton got hired. You got to change this. He basically said, hey, Broncos TV's got a microphone in his face. Hey, what are your thoughts on this Broncos Chiefs longstanding rivalry and, you know, this streak and everything? And he goes, I honestly don't view it as a rivalry because, and I'll paraphrase him now, you know, you got to be competitive to for it to really be a rival. Like, you got to trade blows. And the Broncos have not won in 15 games. It's a 15-game losing streak. So I think it kind of got the dander up of some Broncos fans, especially Zach, uh, the, the recency of him being a chief. They're going, wait a minute, what's he saying here? Where, where? Yeah. But bottom line is take away the Chiefs aspect of it, his history with them and all that. It's true. How can you call it a rivalry when you haven't beaten this team, dude, in seven years? It's ironic because when I was watching quarterback, and you, you might have noticed the same thing, Chad. There's a shot of Patrick Mahomes getting ready to face the Raiders, and he talks about how much he hates playing yeah. there, hates playing them. And I was thinking to myself when he made those comments, he probably doesn't say this about Denver. 
it, right. it doesn't that doesn't get his dander up the same. He doesn't have the same emotional investment in those games because they're pushovers. I mean, no one hates losers, and that's what the Broncos have been to KC for. Chad said 15 straight games now. They have to at least swing back, punch back, and hit back for Kansas City to take them seriously. Frank Clark, you can be offended at his comments if you want, but he is a thousand percent on the money. Indeed. It's just that's the way it is. Truth hurts. Um, yes, and it does sometimes. Colby, the triple C in the house on Facebook. Thank you, buddy. Says, hey, all. All that matters to me is we have a coach who's going to help win games and especially make division rivalries a priority. Go Broncos, MHH for life. And this we know, like at every turn when opportunity has knocked on the subject, like when he's at the podium, you know, like even when Frank Clark was signed and he's getting asked questions and uh, toward the tail end of uh, OTAs, right? I think it was minicamp presser. We're going to see Frank. No, no, no we're not going to see Frank and you'll see him in training camp and, you know, he's going to have to leave and go do the Super Bowl ring ceremony, which might be a little bit awkward and all that stuff. Like, he, I think, Zach, fans never really have to wonder whether Sean Payton, uh, whether his presence of mind on the subject of division rivalries and the importance of divisional supremacy is uh, ever in question. Now, and look what he did when he was uh, right after he took the Broncos job, when he was wrapping up his uh, Fox analyst role, the infamous interview with uh, Josh Jacobs or the comments on Jacobs. He was actively recruiting Jacobs away from the Raiders. Get him out of the AFC West, Sean Payton was saying. So, yeah, he's immediately taken on the the rivalry aspect. And you have when you haven't beaten the Raiders in three years or whatever, when you haven't beaten KC in 15 straight games, you got to prioritize that because that's your path to the postseason. Indeed. Again, thank you, Colby. Appreciate you, big dog. Uh, James Richard in the house. The Predator is amongst us. So everybody, get your knives out. All right. He says, I couldn't see his entire body, speaking of Javante Williams, in the interview. However, the upper body looked, sta uh, looked stacked. What say you? Yeah, I mean, everybody uh, I've talked to, I mean, yeah, you've got the video and stuff, sure. But like seeing him out there. He doesn't look like he's injured, dude, and he looks good. He looks like tip-top. Like, he looks like Javante Williams. Yep. So, um, I don't really doubt anymore the timetable, the Broncos that seemed very ambitious for uh, much of the offseason. Uh, now that we're here in the training camp, Zach, it doesn't seem like, uh, you know, big fish story here, saying that, yeah, we expect him to be ready by the opener. I mean, he's always been physically a tank, so it's not surprising he's still in that shape. We know he's wearing the knee brace. He's practicing with it, but it's not seeming to hamper what he's doing. He's taking handoffs. He's catching passes. He's running pretty much without a hitch. I continue, and I'll say this every day until week one. I'm so impressed by his recovery, his rehab, what he's put in to get to this point. The guy's body and genetics are just not of this planet, Chad. Indeed. Um, indeed. Real quick here, where to go? I was just there. Oh, Sinji, tomorrow the pads come on. Yes, sir. Yeah, the ante gets upped a little bit tomorrow. It's going to be fun. And uh, tomorrow night we'll have Luke Patterson on the show for a little segment to get some of his uh, immediate observations from camp and uh, answer a couple of our burning questions. So make sure you guys are with us tomorrow night. It's going to be a gas. But, Zach, before we dive back into the chat, the other prime topic I wanted to get to was – the Broncos bringing Shelby Harris in for a visit. They are kicking those tires, so to speak. So uh, what is your reaction to the news, and do you think he ends up getting signed? 
Well, it makes a lot of sense, obviously. Uh, he'd be a plug-and-play starter. We've talked about Shelby for the last three or four pods. And uh, what I take away from it is the fact that he's willing to take the visit suggests that he's open to a return. Because the one obstacle to me was he can't force Shelby to come back. I thought there'd be bad blood on one or both sides. I mean, Shelby said a lot of not-so-nice things about Denver when he left. And obviously, the Broncos felt like he was expendable by including him in the Sean Payton deal. So if they can get him back for a one-year veteran minimum type deal, he provides some insurance while the young guys learn and get better, I'm all for that. By the way, Scott, you might need to be the one to show it uh, because I just opened it. And now it's calmed down now, but that's the only time. Anytime I open the Google Sheet is the only time since we found our tweak to stop the lagging. It's the only time that it ever does, for whatever reason, those Google Sheets. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll risk it. Guys, we only have today and tomorrow till this fine month of July is in the books. And so tonight and tomorrow are your only two opportunities uh, to – Climb the rankings. As you know, we take the top 10 finishers on Super Chat in a given month. So in this case, in the month of July, their names go in a hat, digital hat, a figurative hat. We do a random drawing, and that winner of the raffle gets a Broncos jersey of their choosing. Uh, here are your rankings to date. All right. The Duchess, Michaela Parker at number one. Gary Leeds Palmer at number two. Troy at three. The Lady D, Deanna, at four. The Papa Bear, as he's known in his neck of the woods, David McElrath, at five. Scott's going to do a scrolly-scrolly for us here. F.A. at six. Naj at seven. Seth Harmon at eight. Seth came in big last week. Uh, Brent P. at nine. And Zeus McPeak at number 10. And then just a few of the names barely on the outside, like Sam Bam, Alonzo, uh, Gregory, DWI guys, etc. So there's your update for the month of July. And again, tonight, tomorrow, last opportunities to either climb or bolster. So appreciate your support, guys. Again, we the reason we do the raffle, yeah, it's fun. You know, it's we like the uh, that aspect of it, of course, but we do it as a small thank you, a small way we can give back for all the support. The names you see on this screen uh, give us on a pot out pot in pot out basis so love you guys thank you thank you all as always all right we are at 31 minutes so uh we got a little bit of time guys but if you do have any burning topics get them in the chat i want to grab clayton here saying evening guys smash the like button and share um well last time i said our defense will be stellar now our offense is going to do the same Cooking Russ, our ground and pound game. Russ using his legs a lot more. And our receivers we have, bam, baby, bam, top five offense to me, boys. Yeah, so it's interesting. Thank you, Clayton, for uh, your observations. Um, one of the, the things that had people a little bit doubtful on day one, which it's kind of weird, Zach, because we were calling Friday day one because it was the first actual like full team practice, right? Saturday day two. Broncos are calling Friday day three yeah. and Saturday day four. So we're going to have to get our numbers on uh, match them. But anyway, the first full practice, all right, fans in attendance Friday, Russ was observed very often in seven on seven and team drills, drop back, kind of holding onto the ball like a beat too long and then bailing the pocket and running a lot, like more than maybe you would like to see uh, in a, in, especially in a situation where, the stakes are low. 
Um, you know, cause what training camp is where you're supposed to try things, take risks, you know, force things in order to kind of further test the, uh, the, the limits of the scheme that you're learning and further assimilate everything. But he was just kind of bailing early. That was day one. That was especially one of the observations Luke made, whatever day two, day four, whatever you want to call Saturday. Okay. <laughs> Much more reined in, in terms of, um, you know, staying, staying in the pocket, making his read. And I think, you know, when people talk about what I'm – when people mention what I'm about to say, they usually infer from it, Zach, that it's uh, a quarterback with severe uh, processing limitations um, that, you know, is just kind of having a hard time reading the field. But all coaches try to simplify the read, all right, uh, on a, for quarterbacks on a given passing play. They do that in many ways by prioritizing <clears throat> the, the read order, right, by creating situations where you don't have to necessarily scan the entire field, you've got a high-low read. So you've got your your option number one that maybe in this particular play, Zach, is a low or is like an underplay. And if it's not there, you look at B, which is a deeper play or vice versa. And one of the things we're seeing from uh, Sean Payton and Russell Wilson is, unlike last year, Zach, where it really did seem like that was not any kind of an emphasis on the part of Hackett and that coaching staff, where it was like, hey, Russ, just get back there and see what you can see, bud. Throw it to the guy with, that seems the most open. Sean Payton has seen to kind of pare things down and really hammered on Russ to keep it, uh, you know, the high-low thing, one side of the field in many cases. And you only deviate from that, really, and then I'm serving this back to you. You only deviate from that if they're covered or pressure blows it up or whatever. And then ostensibly you're capable enough of a quarterback to go through progression three, four, and five, et cetera. Yeah, it brings me back to the word I used earlier, which is efficient. That's a Sean Payton offense. I mean, we've watched what he's done in New Orleans to get ready for uh, his Broncos offense, and they're just they they know what they they want to do. They call multiple plays in the huddle, and they have a, a plan for each down, each distance. The thing with Russ using his legs to what Clayton said, though, this is an underrated aspect of his game. Still, even at age thirty-five, we saw later in the year when Russ was kind of unchanged unchained quote unquote uh, under Jerry Rossberg that he could still move around. He could still use his mobility to buy him time or to even make plays and score touchdowns with his legs. Sean Payton will have it. What's best for the situation. I'm sure he'll have some boot outs. He'll have some uh, PA, you know, things with using the running game, but he'll also have Russ in the pocket and quick passes, whatever the offense calls for uh, Sean Payton will have. Um, by the way, I just realized as we were going through the super chat rankings, uh, as you guys might remember, DWI guys ranked, I think it was fifth, 14th or 15th, outside the top 10. But if you counted Super Thanks, he would be in the top five. So a special shout out uh, to Ethan across the pond, who is another great member, Zach, of our community, yeah. proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. So shout out to Ethan on that front. Um, okay, let's see what Howie has to say. What's up, Howie freaking day? Appreciate you, big dog. He says, evening, gentlemen. How does Shelby blend with this team now, and will there be tension? James, on the same subject, says, I love me some Shelby Harris, especially how he played with Denver. However, with or without him, Broncos for life. So thank you for that, uh, man. Really appreciate it. Listen, Shelby Harris is not going to have a hard time fitting in. First of all, you look at the roster and go, is there a need? Damn straight, there's a need. There was a need before Uazarike got that indefinite right. suspension. All right, so the need's there. You get in where you fit in, no problem. 
he'll if if the Broncos were to sign Shelby, we'll see what they have in mind specifically. But I would be surprised, Zach, if they signed a Shelby or any kind of more tenured veteran that's out there and available on the market and didn't earmark them for a starting job out of the gates because who do we have right now with any starting like bona fide starting experience you've got zach allen dj jones mike purcell mike purcell on the uh, nfi list uh we'll see what happens with that um matt henningson year two maybe they're thinking he could challenge for a starting job we'll see we were hoping wazarike could be that guy he's off the board jonathan harris he does have a couple of uh, starts on his NFL resume, but when you talk about bona fide starting experience, it's not there. There isn't anybody else. I mean, you can PJ Mustafa is an undrafted rookie, so I got to assume that if they bring in Shelby Harris, Zach, especially you consider how much he flourished in Vance Joseph's scheme. Exactly. I mean, the, the team didn't flourish much, <laughs> as we know, but that's where Shelby emerged. Vance his vision and the way he calls defense and his techniques that are uh, emphasized and all that stuff. That was the ticket for Shelby Harris. I mean, exactly. Yeah. He knows the defense. He knows the defensive coordinator, the Broncos need a starter or at least some sort of insurance he's available. I mean, if the Broncos want to mend the fences and Shelby Harris wants to mend the fences, then the player should be fine with it. If he can help them win and get better, then I think they will be all for it. So I, I would not mind Shelby. I really wouldn't, if only because he's another warm body where the Broncos don't have many right now. Exactly. Exactly. But Sean Payton said they, you know, they want to talk to a few different guys, bring kick kick the tires of a few different players. But it just makes too much sense. Like, you know, there's a reason for the phrase, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Shelby's available. If he has beef, Zach, it's with George Payton. He doesn't have beef with Sean Payton. He doesn't have beef with Vance Joseph. So that's whatever that beef might be. If it's there between, between Shelby or that he might harbor for George Payton, those aren't really uh, bridges you want to cross when you're a quote unquote player who can be fired at any given moment by a front office executive. That's called a general manager. You know, you just bury that like a baller and go about your business. So uh, PJ Rebus, what's up? Good to see you. Big dog. He says, hi, guys, just showing some love to Broncos country. Jets versus Broncos drama equals primetime game. NFL loves this type of stuff. Could you see the NFL somehow finding a way to uh, that early in the season flex that game? Because uh, I don't know what – I can't think right now exactly what precedent there would be. I mean, a lot of flexing happens late in the season, but that early? Yeah, I'm looking up right now to see who's the primetime game for week five. And it is Cowboys and 49ers and then Packers and Raiders. Those are the Sunday night, Monday night games. Those aren't getting moved. I don't know if they can even flex that early in the year, but uh, that'll probably stay where it is as a 425 Eastern, 225 Mountain kickoff. And uh, it'd be a good game regardless. The Sparks are going to fly one way or the other. Exactly. Um, uh, 78 Leadhead. Yeah, I do believe it's pretty, pretty self-evident. Uh, that Shelby Harris would be a significant upgrade over Jonathan Harris. I don't say self-evident to demean you, but like, come on now. Jonathan Harris is a hanging on to the NFL by the skin of his teeth guy. And Shelby Harris was once that guy too. Shelby Harris had burned out as a late round pick of the Raiders, bounced around. He was hanging on by the hairs on his chinny chin chin until Vance Joseph got a hold of him. He kind of emerged and then with Vic took it to another level. Um, so you never know when that could happen for a given player. 
but the Shelby proved Zach in that uh, 2017 season that he is the exception that proves the rule. The rule is most of the time, if guys are bouncing around and they're bottom of the roster clingers that are never sleeping well at night, they're always wondering if they're going to get that call on Monday or Tuesday morning or waving you, et cetera, because we need help at tight end or whatever. Jonathan Harris is that guy. He has shown us nothing up to this point that he could be an exception uh, to, to, to rebut the rule. So Shelby all day long. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind if uh, Jonathan Harris uh, stays around and continues developing. Maybe he can be a key backup or be a practice squad guy. But if you have a chance to sign a plug-and-play starter who literally knows this, the scheme and the coordinator and many of the players, you got to do it. So hopefully that gets done this week. Definitely. Uh, okay, guys, we are at 41 minutes. I'm just taking a quick glance through here. Um, the chat. I want to make sure. There was one I saw earlier that I thought I'd starred. Did I? Hold on. Yes. Sorry. Hello. I got I to gotta remember that new function. Uh, Leroy on Facebook, always dedicated in our community, every single show with few exceptions, saying, what's up, priests? Mile high salute. Right back at you. Been in limbo for a while. Had a lot of things going on. Can't wait until the season starts. Question. They brought in Shelby for a visit. Should the Broncos sign him and let bygones be bygones? My answer to that, as we kind of already elucidated, is when you look, Zach, across the uh, the market of what D-line guys are available, I mean, you could look at – there's a couple guys you could argue would be better fits right now. But when you balance, you know, an equation of, of talent, experience, fit, uh, upside, all that stuff, honestly, Shelby's – ends up leapfrogging a few guys whose name might be even be bigger than his for those reasons. Yeah. I mean, whether it's Shelby, whether it's Matt Ioannidis, whether it's Yannick Ngakwe, I don't really care who the Broncos sign, but you can't go into the regular season with Jonathan Harris or Matt Henningsen as your starter opposite Zach. You just can't do it until proven. Otherwise you need experience. You need depth. You need someone like Shelby. So hopefully again, that gets done this week. Indeed. Um, Mike, Appreciate you, bro. Appreciate you so much. Great show, he says, tonight. Chad and Zach on the Mile High Huddle podcast. Go Broncos and buck them. Yes, indeed, my dog. Thank you, Mike. I'm sure we'll be seeing you later on Twitter as well. James, again, thank you, bud, saying Broncos country is going to see something they've been waiting for. Mark my words because I'll always be here. Yes, waiting for what? Waiting for a winning product on the field. Um you know, Sean Payton maybe regretted, laments a little bit that he allowed himself to kind of um, go off the rails with type of things that are probably best served staying behind closed doors and, and allowing those remarks to Jarrett Bell of USA Today to be on the record. But at the end of the day, I still want to go back to Zach, something that Mike Cliss said, an opinion he had in the immediate aftermath of the Sean Payton interview dropping which is that honestly this is a galvanizing kind of lightning rod for the players it is because even his apology i do that full awareness of the air quote apology um i mean half of those remarks and it was a pretty dense paragraph all right his actual remarks his apology uh was basically him saying you know i hate seeing what these guys had to go through and i'm kind of standing up for them I was standing up for him for being led 
by such an incompetent buffoon of a coach. Maybe I violated some unwritten laws uh, by throwing a fellow coach under the bus on the public stage, but call a spade a spade, charge it to the game. It is what it is. I mean, pick the cliche. It all it still holds water. Again, you can criticize it was it was professionally, um, you know. Again, I'll say uncouth. It was maybe beneath him. Didn't like how it made the Broncos uh, in the spotlight, so to speak. It did. There's no getting around this. That create a distraction to open training camp when it should have been. The argument being about what's happening on the field. He planted a lightning rod. Players rally around it. They're galvanized. I think they appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Mike Liss also said something else about Sean Payton in that he's very deliberate in everything that he does. Everything is calculated. Everything is measured. He knows what he's doing. And what I say to this is trust the process. I know it's cliche, but trust the track record then when it comes to Sean Payton. He won in New Orleans for over a decade. He won a Super Bowl. He knows how to build a great offense, a great running game, great offensive line. These are all areas the Broncos have struggled with for the last seven years, the last time they went to a playoff game. So I agree. We're going to see the Broncos be a competitive, relevant winning team who I think will be a playoff team. Guys, I do not put this past him that he, that Peyton planned this whole nine, including the apology. In fact, I surmised that Thursday night, if you guys can recall that I had a hard time believing that this was an off the cuff thing and that he somehow didn't anticipate that. Cause you know, you sit down with a journalist, especially that you're, they're invited into your office. You know, when you're on the record, when you're not period in a story, you know, these things, especially a veteran like Peyton. So if anything about this whole situation, Zach was, um, off the cuff or, you know, in any way unplanned, it was perhaps the Broncos coming to him and saying, Hey, this has become enough of a firestorm. Right. I know you talked to us about it, but you got to say something here, like save a little face, try and like pop the air out of this thing a little bit. If there was anything that honestly, that's that would be my uh, educated guess on on because, again, Sean Payton, dude, nothing is everything's planned, bro. He doesn't regret, you know, anything that he said. It was a, a damage control move. It was, it was a PR tactic. He knew he had to go up there and kind of walk it back. But again, if you asked him, I guarantee you, he stands by everything. Seventy-eight leadheaded with a super chat. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate you. Very prolific commenter, both on the live streams and comment section on YouTube after the fact. Always appreciate you. Uh, the super chats, not quite as. Uh, as common from 78 Lathead. So when they come in, bro, we're grateful. Thank you. Mile High Salute, he says to you too. Thanks for what you all do for Broncos country. Thank you, bud. Who are the odd men out in the wide receiver room? Are Hamler and Washington gone? Zach, your answer, because there was a little bit of a change on how the outlook of the receivers, or at least the current standing of the group is. They made a roster move or two last week. Yeah, I mean, the top the top four are pretty much set and forget. Even with Marvin Mims' injury, he's locked you into a roster spot. So it comes down to Hamler, Washington, players like Jalen Virgil, Brandon Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey, Marquez Calloway. I still think Calloway and Humphrey, based on their Saints connection to Sean Payton, have the upper hand. But Jalen Virgil, if you want to replace Hamler's speed and, and Mims' speed right now, there you go. Brandon Johnson, he showed pretty well last year as a rookie, could be a practice squad guy. If you had to... 
narrow it down right now. I mean, availability is the best ability, and KJ Hamler just doesn't have that at the present moment. KJ uh, Montreal Washington, excuse me, he's replaceable. I, I still think you can make some lemonade with him, but he is replaceable for what he is. So I agree with what you said. I'll go KJ and uh, Montreal. Well said, Michael Davis. Great to see you tonight, my friend. Says priests. Aaron Rodgers' comments about Sean Payton calling him insecure and scapegoating our season should we fail. Didn't Rodgers do the same to his wide receivers last year? Honestly, I don't know. I don't follow him enough to know for sure. Like, I don't cover the Packers, so I'm not quite aware of every little <clears throat> pardon me, tidbit that he drops. But, Zach, what do you remember about what Mike's digging up here? I remember, I mean, first of all, the media coverage of Aaron Rodgers, if you're not in the local market, he was very, it was like Russell Wilson level almost. I mean, a lot of national reporters were against him with his, you know, vaccination status and this and that going throughout the years. But yeah, he's been a little bit of a passive aggressive prima donna. I mean, he he accumulated that power in Green Bay where he could do something like that. And that's what I was kind of thinking earlier when we were reading his comments. Like he wants everyone to be an adult and be mature, but he's taken so many subtle pot shots through the media, you know, on the field and everything we've heard about Aaron that I don't think he should be talking in the, in this one. Yeah, agreed on that front. Um, Howie throwing down some some more stars. Thank you, bud. I can't tell you how much we freaking appreciate you, my dog. That's the freaking truth. And since it's Joseph's uh, birthday. We'll grab one more. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Number 47. We'll grab one more, and then we're dipping. Do you think Frank Clark is going to play the whole season, or is he going to end up being injured a few weeks in? Because teams usually, Zach, don't give up team career star players. What say you? Being injured a few weeks. Because, I mean, players do walk away. That's, that's why NFL free agency exists. Uh, that's just the name of the game. You can't afford everyone. And when the Broncos signed Frank Clark, I thought because Kansas City wanted to go younger. They wanted to go cheaper. They believe in building through the draft and not handing out too many second contracts. Frank Clark is what he is. He can come in. He can provide pressure off the edge. He can be a veteran stabilizing force. He's someone who knows Kansas City. He knows uh, how to win, how to build a, a consistent, successful winner. He was asked about that. He mentioned routine being one and just always being on your P's and Q's and being disciplined. The Broncos need some of that. They need more Frank Clarks in the building, players who have experience winning, experience at the highest levels of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, you always worry about it when a player – I mean, what's his exact age? Let me look real quick. Frank Clark age. Uh, he's 30, all right? So he's hit the he's hit the uh, – Back nine. He's at least beginning. He's a hole number one on the back nine. He's on hole number 10, let's say. All right. Um, so you always have a concern on that, but the Broncos contract uh, is reflective of that, that he got. Like they didn't break the bank, unlike with Randy Gregory, who obviously is quite a bit younger. So I'm not too worried about it. I think you'll end up getting uh, what what juice Zach is squozing from this fruit, I think will be. Uh, apropos of not only the quality of player that he is, the stage in his veteran career and the money the Broncos invested in this cat. James, last one. Thank you for a, another, a third super chat tonight. Uh, he says Broncos receivers are just fine. No way we could have two years in a row of the injuries we had last year, which in my opinion is overlooked as to last year's outcome. 22 on injured reserve, 12 of which were starters. Maybe overlooked by people outside of the Broncos sphere. You know, like certainly not by us, certainly not by you. I mean, we have long lamented the snake-bitten status this team has had. And trust, Sean Payton 
quickly diagnose that as a massive, uh, you know, complicit factor in what's happened, not just last year, but this last seven years. And he took steps to remedy it. So touching what as I say this, break the streak, right? Law of averages, at least Zach dictates that even if, even if, uh, Peyton had made zero changes to the strength staff, didn't bring in Bo Lowry as an executive VP to oversee the whole nine yards. Law of averages says Broncos are due for uh, uh, the, the sun to shine on them a little bit relative to the injury bug. It's amazing to me, though. You know, one of the worst head coaching displays in NFL history, either modern or all time. You have 22 players on IR, 12 starters, according to James here. Uh, you have an offensive line that can't block anyone. But yeah, let's blame Russell Wilson for a catchphrase or for Russell Wilson doing exercises on a plane. I mean, you're right, James, to the national media, like Chad was saying, these these aspects were definitely overlooked and all the blame went to the $245 million quarterback. But you can't win when you have that many players beat up. You can't win when you don't have the coaching that can take you to that next level. I'm, I'm right there with you and Chad. I'm knocking wood. Let's hope the Broncos stay healthy. Last thing, Zach, and then let's do our rundown. We'll say goodnight. I just want to say, like, Aaron Rodgers said what he had to say. And when I say not had to say, I mean, like, he kind of had to say something. He was he was asked it on a public stage. He could have completely dismissed it and said no comment, but that's not really his style. He had to back up his boy, right? And he did. I have nothing but respect for Aaron Rodgers. He was a quarterback for the longest time I always felt was a little bit overrated. Um and maybe there's some truth to it. I don't know. I've kind of come around on that a little bit, but I have nothing but the utmost respect for the guy, yeah. uh, especially because of him having the stones, as it were, to just kind of go against the grain relative to those the the, the vaccination stuff and just be his own person, be an individual, uh, utilize you know his own uh, autonomy to make decisions on what. He does with his body and all that stuff, and I respect that. Took took some uh, whether you agree with it, what he did or and said or not. I do respect the fact that he uh, had the gumption to really kind of take a stand, even if it was for only for himself. I think there are you guys might be surprised at the number of NFL players that were right oning him the whole time. Like when this was once it came became a public thing going preach dude preach 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 so aaron Rodgers, he's a quality dude he did what he had to do to to, to kind of uh stick up for his boy and i can't wait to see week five man it's gonna be get your popcorn baby it's gonna be dope yeah i'm right there with you i mean i don't agree obviously with everything that he said but i respect that he had the the gumption to say it and say what he feels and not sugarcoat it not hide not just pander to anyone he's Aaron Rodgers he's his own man and uh I do appreciate people that are like that but you're right week five can't come any sooner I'm counting down the days and uh, hopefully the Broncos emerge victorious that week so anyway yeah. we're gonna give you some parting messages guys here from deputy editor himself Zach Kelderman so don't leave quite yet Another great episode of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter, the mothership account at Mile High Huddle. Chad's at Chad and Jensen. I'm at Kelberman NFL and Scott, our producer, is at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch like we're always rocking each and every show, check it out. Get yourself some MHHmerch.com. On Facebook, if you're not doing so, follow us at Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. On Instagram at Mile underscore High underscore Huddle. And on Apple Podcasts, make sure you're leaving your 
Football Priest a five-star review for a chance to win some of that swag each and every single month. But if anything, guys, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That's right, baby. By the way, we see Andrew Lampy jumping in uh, at the 11th hour with some stars. Thank you, Andrew. So great to see you. Uh, hope everyone's doing well. He says, I think Rogers needs a few more hours in the quiet room. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe, but you know, he kind of did what he had to do. Um, anyway, shout out to these great super chat superstars and supporters tonight, including Andrew, Sam Bam, David McElrath, Miguel, Michaela Parker, the Duchess, Gary Palmer, Michaela Israel, uh, James Richard, PJ, 78 Leadhead throwing down, Michael Davis, Michael Ronquillo, AKA Ronk. Keith Brugman, Phil McLaughlin, Colby C. Collier, Howie Frickin' Day. Uh, much love and respect, you guys. Really appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow night. Be there because padded practice number one is tomorrow. We're going to have Luke Patterson on who will be there to observe things and report for us. We're going to have him on for a segment tomorrow night. It's going to be dope. We got one more here at the last minute Ooh. from James. If I was to give some constructive criticism, I would say a little more hyper sarcasm i don't know james we, okay. we could try oh he's talking about us i wasn't sure what he was talking about i don't know i'm not um, sure we'll try we'll try dude I'll, I'll see if i can find a new uh 12 pack of <laughs> of my hint caffeine water because I'm, I'm low as you can see appreciate you james as always everyone thank you all so much for tuning in we'll see you tomorrow have a great ending to your weekend start to your week take care and as always go broncos Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos.